Blog Talk Radio. And we do this thing called The Balance every Saturday morning, live right here uh, across the nation. <clears throat> the good thing about it is we also do the podcast, and the podcast uh, is the show. So if you're listening to us live, you're also listening to the podcast. Uh, but wherever you are listening to us, make sure that you grab your Black Rifle coffee, stick around. It's about to get good. Got Tony Donahue on tap today. Uh, we caught up with him yesterday afternoon and uh, talking some IndyCar, some NASCAR. <clears throat> Steve is uh, Wilson's on vacation, so uh, uh, Tony uh, slipped on his NASCAR hat for us a little bit. And then we're going to be breaking down the NFL teams as we'll try to get through all of them with Ed Kratz, beat writer for the Philadelphia Eagles and, and SI.com. And we're going to be uh, uh, talking about all the – Maybe maybe we'll get into some uh, Super Bowl uh, long shots, uh, but we're just going to be talking. Camps are getting ready to break across uh, the NFL, and you know, this week I started having conversations about fantasy football. I'm just going to tell you right now, it's good. It good. My name's Tom Marquez del Presidente. Stick around; it's about to get good. Tony D for the Tony Tony Donahue for the Tony D podcast, right around the corner. Guard is a reserve component of the United States Air Force and serves alongside active duty Air Force members in times of a national crisis. In addition, the Air Guard serves the state and local community in a wide range of capacities. The reason people join the Air Guard is as diverse as our members and includes such reasons as a deep desire to serve their country, money for college, travel, new job skills, and the pride that goes along with belonging to the greatest military organization in the world. I joined because I felt a calling to serve my country, but I didn't want to be far away from my family, so the Indiana Air National Guard was a perfect fit for me. With over 95 different career opportunities to choose from and 100% paid college tuition to any state-funded college, why not give us a call? Call 1-800-841-3103 or visit online at goang.com to find out more. Again, that's 1-800-841-3103. The Air National Guard, guarding America, defending freedom. I can't believe it. I've been playing 4-on-4 with a barbershop quartet. 
bum 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 Believe it, Geico could save you 15% or more on car insurance. Morning face. You get it when you don't sleep well. This is what happened to Linda. Morning, guys. Good morning. Ah, What is that thing? It's me, Linda. Oh, my God, it talks. Run! No, it's me, Linda, from HR. It looks hungry. Save the children. Save them. Stay back. I've got It's called beauty sleep for a reason. And there's never been a better time to get some. Get 20% off IKEA salt and mattresses. IKEA. Love your home. Oh, hi. Uh, hey. I've seen on the board, do you guys have Black Rifle coffee here? <laughs> no, I'm sorry. We only carry good small batch coffee here. Well, it is Great small batch coffee. Well, that really can't be unless it's fresh roasted, so I don't, you know. Well, it is fresh roasted. I don't, I don't think you know what that means. You know what this is? This is Masa Le Piquet, which of course in the Indonesian language, oh, let me finish, in the Indonesian language, it's weasel coffee. You just made that up. No, it's been passed through their digestive tract. That's disgusting. And then it's nature's wet processing. Yeah, but is it good? I mean, it's all right. Are they investor philanthropists? Do they support good causes? Yeah, tons of causes. Veterans causes and first responder causes, but it doesn't matter because they make good coffee. So that's what I'm wanting. Do you have any? You know what, actually, I'm, I'm just gonna order it. They make it fresh and roasted. Okay. Right. Black Rifle Coffee. It's good. It is time to get started on our racing segment this week. Uh, it seems like it's been a long hiatus since we've had Tony Donahue as Tony D. Podcast. It really hadn't been that long. How are you doing, sir? Hey, good. Like you said, uh, off air. Glad we got some rain here over the last 24 hours and uh, <laughs> excited for another pretty exciting weekend coming up when it comes to racing. Oh, yeah. I, you know, absolutely. And you know, my backyard was starting to look like the Grand Canyon, so I'm, the, the rain is, is very, very welcome. Let's talk a little bit about Mid-Ohio, and then we'll get get into some of the action that's going on this weekend and some of the other stuff. And, and IndyCar, great race out at Mid-Ohio, but Penske yet again shows who Penske is, and Scott McGoughlin is the real deal. Uh, let's break down that Mid-Ohio race. I know you were there. It's certainly a fun track to go through. Uh, kind of talk us uh, through the highs and the lows, and you know, at the end of the day, uh, uh, Scott McLaughlin was the one in victory lane. Yeah, six out of nine races here for Team Penske, getting victories to start the season. We're about halfway through, a little bit more than halfway through now, um, with Mid-Ohio now in the books. But uh, it was a good weekend. That's why I couldn't join you last Saturday, because practice, of course, started <laughs> right at 10 o'clock. But, um, right. no, it was an exciting weekend. Look, Scott McLaughlin, with his second career win, is a guy that, that just needs – a little bit more time. I mean, you, you've, you've broken through and gotten your first two wins now. 
the problem is, is he's still a sophomore, right? This is his second year. He's coming back to these tracks for the second time. So it takes a while to get that consistency. You know, he won at St. Pete to start the season, almost won at Texas before Joseph Newgarden took it away from him, you know, right at the start-finish line. So uh, Mid-Ohio is a great track. Penske continuing to show why they are the best team out there. But, again, you know, you got a performer at the Indianapolis 500, and that's kind of what's knocked Scott McLaughlin out of the points. Uh, was was the fact that he had a really bad Indianapolis 500, hasn't really had a good finish since. Uh, so he kind of broke out of that slump last week to get the victory. He's not mathematically out of the championship by any stretch of the imagination, but it's going to take a lot of digging and a lot of top threes and even a couple more wins for him to be a championship contender. Uh, but to break that slump and get back for uh, his second win on the season uh, w- was really good for that three team. Well, looking exciting to see what, what's going on. Let's talk a little bit about Connor Daly. Been exciting to watch him. Obviously, local boy from here in Indianapolis. Uh, but really, he's just been, been kind of really fan of the radar because he's very much on the radar right now. But Connor Daly is having a great year. Uh, certainly, I, I think he's turned it, uh, turned the leaves somewhere along the way for him to to get around that bend that seemed to have been haunting him for a while. Uh, Connor Daly, you know, tops. we were testing out in Iowa yesterday and noticed that Connor Daly was in the top seven there in testing. So, you know, something's going on over there with Connor in, in A Carpenter Racing. What's, uh, what's the secret? What's going on? You know, I think with Connor, you know, people are going, well, he's been with that Carpenter Racing. Yeah, but this is the first time that he's been in that 20 car for every race. You know, the last couple of years, it's been road courses in the 20 and then switching over to the Carlin Racing 59 car where he qualified on his first career pole last year at Iowa. Uh, Iowa's a great track for Ed Carpenter Racing. Guys like Joseph Newgarden, Ed Carpenter, J.R. Hildebrand, Spencer Pickett have all finished on the podium at Iowa in an Ed Carpenter Racing car. So, uh, yeah, I, I think for Connor, it's, it's just continuing to stay in one car throughout the year, keep that camaraderie within a team. Uh, he's got great backing from Bitnile and, and good sponsorship, knowing that he's going to be back in that car next year as well. Um, but, yeah, it's starting to click. And, and, and look, everybody's going to say, oh, he doesn't have, you know, not a lot of top 10s. Top 12s right now in IndyCar are just as good as what top 10s were. You know, we always look at, oh, did he have a top 10? Now with the competition level the way it is, and how many drivers can go out there and finish top 10, top 20 each and every weekend. Um, top 12s are certainly an exceptional result. Connors had a few of those. Him and Renus are starting to find their way. Renus had a great uh, race last week at Mid-Ohio. He qualified 11th, which didn't really show the speed of the car because he didn't have, a, didn't have a full lap to go out and try to get into that top six. And he worked his way up, pitted early, and ended up with the fourth-place finish. So uh, Ed Carpenter Racing, we'll see. Uh, Iowa's going to be great. You're going to have – um, three cars there with Ed Carpenter back in the loop, and he, he tested at Iowa yesterday, uh, and we'll see what happens. Connor's been really good on street courses. You've got Toronto and, and Nashville coming up in the next couple of weeks. Then you've also got at the end of the month that IndyCar race at Indianapolis Motor Speedway, a place where Connor has qualified very well. He's ran up front. He's had some bad luck handed to him, um, but that Bit Nile Chevy and also Renus VK's car uh, at the road course at Indianapolis Motor Speedway can never be counted out. I'll tell you what, I, that's another, you know, Renan VK. He, he's just proven himself week in and week in after. I want to ask you a little bit about the Andretti uh, stable. What, what's going on over there? I mean, I guess everybody, you know, has their spats and so forth. But, I mean, you, you saw all of basically all four of Andretti's drivers, you know, you know scrapping around. Uh, three top finishes following a, a restart. Rossi, uh, Gorjan, 
Uh, we're dueling over the 10th place on lap 59 of 80. And we brought Sean on the Firestone alternates to Ann Rossi. What's going on? They don't seem to be getting the chemistry that needs to be going on or needs to happen, especially with the team of the caliber of the Andretti stable. Yeah, I think it's really been boiling. You know, I think it's really been been leading up to this moment, right? This is this didn't just happen over the weekend. This didn't just happen at Mid Ohio. I think there's some animosity within the team from the way that Grosjean has driven, uh, and and the level that he uh, presents himself coming from that Formula One background. I think Alexander Rossi knows that he's gone from the team at the end of the season, uh, so he's really focusing on just his driving style. Uh, Colton Herta has had some really bad luck. Yeah, he had that win at the road course at Indianapolis Motor Speedway in the rain, but he had a really bad Indianapolis 500. Um, he hasn't been able to put together a lot of great races since then. Uh, Devlin DeFrancesco is still learning, still getting a lot of things underneath his belt. But, uh, you know, it's tough. I, I just think that that's been boiling over. We know that Grosjean, it seems like every race somebody's talking about slamming into him or him slamming into somebody else. And uh, it, it finally came home when it happened with Rossi. I, I thought both were kind of racing situations uh, and a little bit of overreaction. But when you overreact to those, it means something's been building. And it seems like that's certainly been the case um, at the Andretti stable. And, 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 and we'll see what happens. Everything should be all good. But, but really, Tom, for the future, it doesn't make their bid for Formula One look all that much better when they're going, well, mm-hmm. you can't even really keep your IndyCar teams in line you know, why should we, uh, you know, expect anything less or more in Formula One? So um, it will be interesting to see what happens at Toronto, uh, which is a track that Andretti's really good at. It's Devlin DeFrancesco's home track. Uh, I think you'll see everything kind of A-OK, uh, but certainly after the race, Michael was pissed. Rossi was pissed. Mm-hmm. Grosjean wa- walked right past me with his helmet on. You could tell he was upset, didn't want to talk to anybody, um, and they called for that meeting. So, um, you know, probably a good thing that they have a week off. They can kind of spread out between each other. You know, Devin lives down in Miami. Grosjean lives down in Miami. Rossi lives here in Indy. Colton lives out in California. So, uh, you know, these guys are kind of spread out. They might not have the team chemistry as some of the other teams, like Penske, who all live in Charlotte, or even the Ganassi guys, who all live here in Indianapolis. So uh, we'll see. I think all will be okay. Um, you know, mm-hmm. but, but if you're Rossi, you're upset. You haven't won a race since 2018. Grosjean's fighting and trying to get to the top step of the podium for the first time in his IndyCar career. Um, so the results just really haven't been there, and sometimes those tensions boil over. Well, Colton Hurd is the only driver, I believe, out of the Andretti's to, to get a win this year. So you got to think that Michael's got to rein it in a little bit and say, hey, you know, we, we, we're a team. we got to be a team. We gotta, we're got to we going up to Toronto. Uh, this thing isn't over yet, but, you know, we you got to think that if they can't get it together, there's something going on there. I don't know, some kind of mutiny or, or something's going on there. But, uh, but uh, you know, Colton Hurd is coming out smelling like a rose with all of this. Well, I, I, I know we weren't privy to the conversation in the in the meeting, but, I mean, do you think uh, desks were being flipped or do you think this was just a calm meeting that said, hey, knock it off kind of thing? Yeah, I mean, it's an emotional sport, right? And, and, and you do that right after a race where things didn't go well for you and things really haven't gone well for your team since Colton won that race back in May at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway. And, and even with that, it wasn't the greatest day for the, for the rest of the team. Rossi has been very consistent since that road course race. He's finished inside the top seven. He had that podium at Road America, uh, a race that, you know, when you start up front, you think he's got a chance to win, didn't quite get it done. But 
Um, you know, it's just tough. I, I, I think if you're Michael, you, 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 you got the point across and said, look, you know, not only representing yourself, you're representing our sponsors, you're representing me, you're representing this entire team. We got we to gotta be better as a team for the remainder of the year, no matter, no matter who's going where at the end of next year. Yes, we know Kyle Kirkwood's coming in, Rossi's going over to Aaron McLaren, but we need to finish out these eight races, um, be as upbeat as possible, and try to get these results and try to get a couple more wins. So um, I don't think there was death thrown, but I certainly think that there was a very stern talking to, to all four of the Andretti drivers. Well, that's good. You, may, you, you wonder if in situations like that, you, you think that maybe you, they, they, they bring in Mario just as kind of a motivational speaker type thing, not more of a disciplinary thing. But, you know, like when Mario walks in the room, everybody listens. You, you think that's kind of uh, he kind of took that kind of role? Well, I think Michael commands that same respect, too, right? I think when Michael walks in, he's done enough over his career being a champion, uh, twice and, and having wins at almost every track that these drivers go to. Um, you know, Mario, it's funny because I did an interview with him on Saturday where we opened up some trading cards. You can check that out on my Twitter at Tony D&D okay. and at Burnout sure. Sports on Twitter. Uh, but I think Mario just tell her, look, boys, you know, we're a team. You're not going to win without being a team. So let's all just try to gel together. So it'll be interesting to see what happens coming up over the next couple of weeks. You go to Toronto. Uh, you go to Iowa for a doubleheader where Andretti's actually been pretty good at, uh, and, and we'll see what happens. But, um, you know, do I think Rossi and Grosjean like each other? No. Um, but they needed to just like each other for a couple more months before Rossi uh, steps out of that door and heads over to Aaron McLaren. Yeah, absolutely. I was I was just thinking about that uh, myself, and that's that's pretty much a, a deal. Uh, let's talk a little bit. As you mentioned, they're off a week, and then they they head up to the Canadian uh, across the border into Canada of Toronto street course going through the uh, the streets of downtown Toronto. Talk with us a little bit about that course. You know, you've got your road courses, your ovals, and your street courses. And street courses provide a, a different type of challenge, if you will, because it's, it's a, a, every other day of the week, it's a, a regular driven street like, you know, like downtown Indianapolis, whatever. So that provides some challenges as far as where the track goes and, and upkeep of, of the track. So what kind of challenges are the teams looking at as they face Toronto on, on the, uh, the street course. Yeah, Tom, I mean, that's exactly right. The, the biggest challenge with any street course, especially in the northern part of this continent, including Detroit, is the fact that, yeah, this is a regular street throughout the rest of the year, and in the winter it's getting ran over by snow plows and potholes. So where there might not have been a bump three years ago or mm-hmm. a crack in the road, that you feel, now you feel that. So um, they haven't raced at Toronto since 2019. Obviously, it gets postponed because of the pandemic in 2020. And then last year, as far as green cards go and not being able to travel to and from Canada, uh, so this is the first time they've been there in three years. It'll be interesting to see um, if the guys that we know that have experience at Toronto will kind of reign supreme, right? So you're looking at Scott Dixon, who's ran numerous times there. You're, you, you're talking about, um, some of the veteran guys and Will Power, Joseph Newgarden. Because if you look at it, Marcus Erickson has only ran there once. Alex Pillow has never ran there. Colton Hurd has only ran there once. You know, so the, some of these guys that, that are battling, Pottawa Ward has never driven there. I don't believe Felix, I think Felix Rosenquist has driven there once. So 
you're looking at a lot, a lot of drivers that have only been there one time that are competing for this championship and competing for wins and Polo and Erickson, Colton Herta, um, you know, among others. So it'll be interesting to see if the veterans take to it quicker because they've been there. And I wouldn't be surprised if it's a veteran weekend with guys like Will Power and Scott Dixon, Joseph Newgarden, uh, who have raced there several times. I think they'll, have, I think they'll certainly have the advantage uh, going to Toronto over some of these guys that are going there for either the first or the second time. Well, certainly if Will Power finds a way to, to win in Toronto, that could do nothing but help his causes in the championship points as he sits in second mm-hmm. now. And, of course, followed by, by Joseph Newgarden and uh, Alex Pillow, Potter Award, Scott Dixon, uh, Scott McLaughlin, Alexander Rossi, uh, Simon Padishon, and Colton Hurd all round out the top ten as we look at the championship. Now, any, anybody you think is going to come out of that pack? Or do we, do we see, you know, like a Rain SVK, or do we see a Connor Daly or a Graham? I don't, I'm not so, so sure about Graham Rahal, but do we see any of those maybe coming out of the dust to make a run for the championship? You know, I think Will Power is your odds-on favorite right now. This guy's been super consistent all year. He's won races. Uh, you know that he'll be good on every road and street course if they go to the remaining of the year. Uh, you know, you look at Power's numbers with Team Penske. It's incredible. He's one of the longest tenured drivers for IndyCar mm-hmm. for Team Penske in the history of that amazing organization. Um, he's, what, one win away from being third on the all-time list. He's the all-time pole sitter record. Um, you know, he's been with Penske since 2009 where he ran a couple races and then obviously full-time in 2010. So it's just it's incredible to kind of look back at what Will Power has been able to do over his career. And here he is probably in his second-to-last season with his contract being up next year, being Mr. Consistent. Now, on the flip side of that, I will give you Scott Dixon. And I know that's very easy to say, oh, yeah, Scott Dixon, of course. You know, he's one of the greatest drivers of all time. Everybody looks at Scott Dixon, where I believe he's currently, what, six in the points, hasn't won so far this year. He's had a couple podiums. Here's the thing with Scott Dixon. He's got more top tens than anybody else this season with nine. He had another one last week in mid-Ohio. Here's the thing with Dixon. If you take away that terrible finish in Indianapolis 500, which he probably should have won or bare minimum finished third, if he doesn't have that pit road speeding penalty, he either wins the race or finishes top three and is probably currently the points leader. And when you have double points in Indianapolis 500, mm-hmm. you have to finish, um, you know, well at the 500. If you look at the last couple champions that went on to win the championship, they all had good results, top sevens at the Indianapolis 500. Um, Erickson's interesting. You know, he's got a 7.4 average this year for a finish. Uh, I, I think if you're going to win the championship, you're only going to be allowed two bad results. Uh, Erickson has had one bad result, and it wasn't even all that terrible. Um, but Erickson's good at – he'll be good at Toronto because he's great on street courses. Iowa will be, a, will be a challenge for him, but he's got enough experience on Indianapolis Road Course. He obviously won Nashville na- last year. He's made a lot of improvements to be able to compete at Gateway. Um, I think it's going to be Erickson down on the wire with Will Power. But if Scott Dixon can get hot, which I think that he can over the next several weeks – Watch for Dixon to maybe start leapfrogging some guys and be right in that championship conversation the last race of the year. Well, they don't call him the Iceman for nothing. We're talking with Tony Donahue for the Tony D Podcast uh, and uh, BurnoutSports.com, uh, talking some IndyCar uh, with us, to catching up with us on a Friday afternoon uh, and, and not joining this live, but that's, that's completely, completely okay. We appreciate you, you joining us. Tony, uh, 
Real quick, so I have you put on your NASCAR hat for just a moment. I know a, a speaker's out in the Grand Canyon. He said he's, he's going to try to call, call tomorrow, uh, but, uh, or later today, depending on how, how you want to word this with the, with the taping of it. But uh, it's service, it may or may not happen. So let's, you know, let's talk a little bit about what we're, we're seeing in NASCAR. We certainly had some uh, great action on the NASCAR races, uh, race uh, last week out at uh, Road America. And we had some really good action uh, in, in a lot of fun races to watch with NASCAR. What, can you recap NASCAR from last weekend? What are your thoughts? You know, I just think that what, what NASCAR is doing a really good job of right now is being at the forefront of dr- new drivers winning. The cars are about as similar as they've ever been, um, which leads to better competition, which is what NASCAR needed. I mean, Tom, you and I used to talk three, four years ago on this show. Who's going to win the NASCAR race? Probably either Kyle Busch, Brad Keselowski, or Kevin Harvick. And and usually uh, maybe Denny Hamlin would be thrown in there as well. Um, But now you've got Tyler Reddick, Ross Chastain, Daniel Suarez, Chase Briscoe. You've got some new names atop of the standings. Um, You know, Ryan Blaney's right there always. Austin Sendrick won his first career race and winning the Daytona 500 this year. Um, you know, so NASCAR's done a really good job of, 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 of kind of bringing that competition level back. It has a lot to do with the new car and everybody getting getting used to that new car. So um, kudos to them. We saw another new winner last week in Tyler Reddick out at uh, Road America. Yeah, that was a great race. And I tell you what, a lot of times in those road courses, you, you don't see a lot of action as far as wrecks and as far as that sort of But not the case this year up at, at Road America. You know, it's also good to see some of uh, the action with the truck. If you, a lot of, you know, a couple of years ago, you really you were lucky to see one truck race a year, and I like how they've mixed things up. It, it took a little getting used to at first, where one week we may not have Xfinity, and one week we may not have the Cup Series, uh, but we do have the Truck Series. And, and, and this week is a little bit different as well, as, as uh, NASCAR heads back to Atlanta for its first time, uh, for the first visit at Atlanta, I guess, uh, with NASCAR, but then the the truck series are at, at Mid Ohio, and uh, that should be a fun race to watch. Of course, you were just out there uh, last week. Talk with us a little bit about the trucks on Mid Ohio at Mid Ohio. Yeah, and I know it rained uh, on practice on Friday, and it's always interesting to see those guys get out there and beating and banging all over the place, especially when it's raining. Mid Ohio is a great track. The keyhole, uh, I think, if you watch this race coming up later on, the, the keyhole is going to be a place to watch because that's a fast turn, but you're going to have the brake going in. You start bumping, beating, and banging around. Uh, we're going to see some trucks turning some other trucks around. Um, so looking forward to that. And, um, you know, I just, you're right, NASCAR has done a really good job of going to different racetracks, switching things up. And we'll see that again here in a couple of weeks because you'll get the, the Indianapolis Motor Speedway road course with, with the Xfinity and the the Cub Series, but then, you know, down the road, you'll see uh, the truck and ARCA guys do a double header over there at, at IRP on the short track. So uh, they're doing a great job of going back to different places that they haven't been to or spicing it up. That includes Road America. That includes Mid-Ohio. Um, and, and, and that's what makes, I think, exciting races for NASCAR is a lot of road courses, um, because as you know, Tom, road courses, these cars and these cars or trucks end up looking like they just ran at a short track or a super speedway because they're all you got fenders beaten in and you got you got blown tires and, and door panels with, with donuts on them. So uh, yeah, it just makes it more thrilling, a little bit more interesting for 
the casual fan to watch as far as far as getting away from those cookie cutting, boring type tracks that we saw like Texas, like Atlanta, like Charlotte, like Kansas, like uh, some of those tracks that are just kind of the same week right. in a week out. You know, real quickly, we'll wrap it up and put a bow on it here. You know, a, a lot of me and myself, including Melissa, we, we've come to, to like Noah Grayson and thought, well, you know, he's kind of a, a good kid. He's, uh, he's, he's, he's well accepted by the fans. He's very polite. And now we see a different side of Noah Gregson. You know, this past week at the Xfinity race, you get, you get you get fined thirty five thousand dollars and deducted thirty points for his driver's points tally for the rough driving, and he caused total melee. Uh, and he played a key role in that thirteen car crash uh, during the race where his uh, number nine JR Motorsports Chevrolet hit the uh, Alpha uh, Prime sorry racing entry of Sage Carrot. Sage Karam was just like, I don't know what happened here. I, I, I was listening to him on the radio because I don't know what happened because we know him from, from IndyCar. And it, it, it was kind of it thought to be a retaliatory move. But at the end of the day, there were 13 cars in a total melee, and uh, Noah Gregson is, is found to be a key instrumental part of that. You've got to wonder if, if Dale is, is pulled him aside and said, that was totally out of line. Or, you know, Dale was a pretty aggressive racer himself. If he pat him on the back, he says, you know, that's racing. That's what happens. How do you think Dale handled this? Are we seeing a different side of, of Noah? Are we seeing the Tony Stewart of, of Noah? <laughs> you know, I, I think with Noah, we've always known that he was aggressive. We've always known that he was going to make some moves that were controversial. And, and people get pissed at Ty Gibbs because he makes moves too. But, you know, I mean – Road courses, you want to do well, especially these NASCAR guys. They want to be shown up by a guy who's coming over from IndyCar. Um, so, so, you know, it, it probably pisses you off if somebody like Sage Karam, who you don't race with every weekend, isn't giving you as much space as, as you would command or respect from other drivers that you do race with every weekend. Um, but, man, I, 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 just, I just look at it this way. I mean, you know, that's kind of what NASCAR's wanted, the, the gloves off, go at it, boys, and, um, you know, we did see Noah selling some things on his Instagram and his Twitter over the weekend uh, to pay for that $35,000 fine. So I'm sure Dale Jr. said, look, <laughs> we love that you're aggressive. We love that you go for it and you have no fear. But let's just try to control that a little bit more so we're not wrecking race cars and tearing up equipment uh, and pissing people off in the future. That a guy like Sage Karam, he's, he's, a, he's a tough guy, right? And if he comes back, at Indianapolis Road Course and remembers, oh, that guy dumped me, when all of a sudden Sage has nothing to, nothing to go for except for a race win, you know, he might get a little retaliation, and that could hurt Noah when it comes to the season-long championship. So, uh, yeah, you just got to be careful with some of those things and, and, uh, and, and see how it plays out. But, you know, if I'm Dale Jr., I'm saying, look, we love that you're aggressive. We love that you're a guy that's going to go for it. But, but let's just, uh, just kind of hone it back just a little bit. Tony Donahue of BurnoutSports.com and uh, the Tony D Podcast. Thanks for joining us. Where can people find your work and masterpieces, sir? Yep, Burnout Sports, BurnoutSports.com, Tony D and D on Twitter. Tom, have a rest of the rest. Have a great rest of your weekend. Okay, thanks, Tony. We'll see you. Bye bye. Yeah, I'm gonna take my horse through the old town road. I'm gonna 
Ride till I can't no more. I'm gonna take my horse through the old town road. I'm gonna ride till I can't no more. I got the horses in the back. Horse stock is attached. The Air National Guard is a reserve component of the United States Air Force and serves alongside active duty Air Force members in times of a national crisis. In addition, the Air Guard serves the state and local community in a wide range of capacities. The reason people join the Air Guard is as diverse as our members and includes such reasons as a deep desire to serve their country, money for college, travel, new job skills, and the pride that goes along with belonging to the greatest military organization in the world. I joined because I felt a calling to serve my country, but I didn't want to be far away from my family, so the Indiana Air National Guard was a perfect fit for me. With over 95 different career opportunities to choose from and 100% paid college tuition to any state-funded college, why not give us a call? Call 1-800-841-3103 or visit online at goang.com to find out more. Again, that's 1-800-841-3103. The Air National Guard, guarding America, defending freedom. Morning face. You get it when you don't sleep well. This is what happened to Linda. Morning, guys. Good morning. Ah, what is that thing? It's me, Linda. Oh, my God, it talks. Run! No, it's me, Linda, from HR. It looks hungry. Save the children. Save them. Stay back. I've got mates. Ow, they're one of my eyes. We're moving. It's called beauty sleep for a reason. And there's never been a better time to get some. Get 20% off IKEA salt and mattresses. IKEA, love your home. Oh, hi. Uh, I've seen on the board, do you guys have Black Rifle coffee here? No, I'm sorry. We only carry good small batch coffee here. Well, it is great small batch coffee. Well, that really can't be unless it's fresh roasted, so I don't, you know. Well, it is fresh roasted. I don't, I don't think you know what that means. You know what this is? This is Masa Le Pique, which, of course, in the Indonesian language, oh, let me finish. In the Indonesian language, it's weasel coffee. You just made that up. No, it's been passed through their digestive tract. That's disgusting. And then it's nature's wet processing. Yeah, but is it good? I mean, it's all right. Are they investor philanthropists? Do they support good causes? Yeah, tons of causes. Veterans causes and first responder causes. But it doesn't matter because they make good coffee. So that's what I'm wondering. Do you have any? You know what? Actually, I'm, I'm just going to order it. They make it fresh and roasted. Okay. Right. Black Rifle Coffee. It's good. Welcome back to The Balance. My name is Tom Marquis, El Presidente. Uh, Saturday morning, we do this thing called The Balance every Saturday morning. Thank you, Tony Donahue, for joining us. Uh, we had to catch up with him yesterday afternoon as he has an event today. Uh, so we caught up with him yesterday afternoon to talk some IndyCar uh, and, uh, of course, NASCAR, a little bit of NASCAR. Steve's out at the Grand Canyon for a vacation. Uh, so, uh, yeah, Tony helped us out with that as well. My name is Tom Marcus, El Presidente. Got my Black Rifle Coffee right here. Make sure you guys go to blackriflecoffee.com. 
I, I think I've told the story before, but my uh, friend's son's in the Navy, and that's all they serve on the ship is all the different types of Black Rifle coffees. So go to BlackRifleCoffee.com, buy a bag, give a bag. And I gave a bag to our next guest here, Ed Kratz, beat writer for the Philadelphia Eagles, uh, and SI.com, our official NFL contributor. As we begin our conversation around the NFL, but hey, Ed, have you had a chance to break into that Black Rifle coffee that I sent you? Uh, hey, good morning, Tommy. I, I, I'll say it's all gone. It, it didn't last more than a week. I to be honest. It doesn't last. It doesn't last. Yeah, no. Hey, it's, I, I, right. It's very good. It's good coffee, um, isn't it? Yeah, and then you know, I even, told even if Cowboys. it's not, you're obligated to say that it is. I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, I know, but I, 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 and and I, 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 I mean it. You know, I enjoyed it. But uh, I see the it's just one of the sponsors now for the Cowboys, right? Or one of the yeah, it's yeah. one of the corporate yeah, sponsors now. The Dallas they're Cowboys. Also on, yeah, they're also on NASCAR, and so they've got huh. they're, they're starting to open up their own like little stores, like uh, like a, like a Starbucks huh. in general. Uh, they've got one down uh, by Hopkinsville, Kentucky. I know Rick has has driven through there by it's down there by um, Fort Campbell, I think. But he's he's uh, stopped there on his way to Florida co- a couple times, so you know it's good coffee. <laughs> well, let's uh, let's get on track. Uh, it's NFL. Got a lot to talk about. Camps are, are, are breaking or beginning to break, or, or we're getting we're having conversations about those. You know, it, it, you know, I, I ponder around different podcasts, different national media, and they're always talking about. So they always got to get something going, and and we'll probably maybe get to this a little bit later on. But there are some long shots for Super Bowls. It's fun to talk about, uh, but you know, a lot of work to go to, and certainly not, I'm not ready to make any bold predictions per se. But it is fun to to talk about some of those long shots, or maybe that we'll get into that here in. In just in just a moment, but Ed Kratz, beat writer for the Philadelphia Eagles, we always like to start in your home camp. Well, let's talk a little bit about what's going on with the Eagles as they get ready to break camp, and we'll talk a little bit about the news in and around the uh, the Eagles and what's going on there, and then we'll move on across the NFL. Sir, what is going on out at the NovaCare Center? Well, uh, right now, not a whole lot, and you know that camp opens July 26th, but uh, you know it's always a good thing when it's sort of quiet around your team. That means nobody's getting in trouble. Nobody's out, you know, visiting the strip clubs or, uh, you know, getting into trouble with uh, with the law in some form or another. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember year, a few years ago when camp broke and Nelson Aguilar got in trouble going to a strip club in Philadelphia. And, um, you know, that was a, a couple months following that story. So it's always good when it's nice and quiet around your team. Um uh, I know Jason Kelsey uh, did his second annual uh, bartending guest bartending down at one of the beach towns here in South Jersey, you know, an hour from Philadelphia, uh, raised 150000 for the Eagles Autism Challenge. That's the kind of stuff you like to see your team kind of getting done at this time of year. Um, you know, I know Jalen Hurts has been spotted in and around town on occasion, Um so it's just, you know, guys just kind of recharging their batteries, getting ready for the start of training camp. And then once camp starts, man, it, you know, it, things start happening fast. So, uh, you know, uh, looking forward to when it does start to happen. But right now it's kind of quiet. And I, I think that's the case of a lot of teams. I haven't seen a lot of guys really get in trouble. We've had, unfortunately, some people, you know, some young players like Jalen Ferguson down in Baltimore pass away. Um mm-hmm. 
You know, you hate yeah. to hear that kind of stuff. But uh, and of course in Cleveland, there's the Sean Watson saga. That's you know that's kind of its own daily soap opera um, that <laughs> is going on there. But uh, yeah, right. It's, I think it's been. We'll get into that conversation quiet. here in a minute. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure we will. Well, but it's been fairly quiet, I think, for a lot of these teams. <clears throat> Uh, stand by here. Sorry. Apologize. I had to respond to my son via text. I don't know why he he always decides to send me a text like right when I'm on the air. It's like I'm on the air. I'll, I'll call you later. He always so how to do that. If you, if you don't respond to your son, it's like they're like, oh my god, my dad's dead. Let's go check him out. Yeah. I'm just you feel obligated you feel obligated to re, to uh respond you know let's you know talking about camps uh one of the guys most surely is going to be watched there at uh philadelphia is probably one of the best cornerbacks in around uh and certainly Darius slay and you know he's a nine-year vet made four four pro, made his fourth pro bowl uh in uh, 2021 uh, does he have a fifth one in 2022 I, I think he's a fixture in, in with the Philadelphia Eagles, and I know you, you're going to be out there at camp, but sure, certainly Darius Slay is the guy you've got your eyes on, and and uh, do you love to slay? Yeah. Maybe that's uh, the, the quote of the day. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, Slay's, I think he's 31 now, and you always wonder, you know, when are, are guys going to lose a step? He certainly didn't lose one last year. Uh, one of the things about Slay, though, is he's scheduled to be uh, – he's going to count over $20 million against the salary cap next year and the year after. So the Eagles are going to have to redo that contract, and we'll see how he plays this year. I don't expect any kind of drop-off, but, you know, he's one of the funnest guys to cover on the Eagles. He's just a guy that loves to have fun, but yet he takes things seriously when it's, when it's time to perform on the field. But he's just a real fun interview, loves to have fun, joke around, teammates. You know, we asked uh, Jordan Davis, the Eagles rookie from the University of Georgia, who they took 13th overall this year, like who's the funnest guy or who's the funniest guy on the team that he's noticed in his short time in Philly. And he said, Slay, you know, he, he and he doesn't like to be called Darius. If you call him Darius, he'll correct you right away. It's Slay. So you call him Slay, and he said it's it, it, it's Slay. You know, Slay loves to have fun and uh, enjoys his time, and you know he says he's a great guy to be around. So, uh, you know, there's a lot that comes in that Slay package. He's good at what he does. You hope he stays good as he heads into his early 30s, but he's got a big contract, and something's going to have to be done about it because you can't have a cornerback count that high against your salary cap uh, it, it, coming into his 30s. So we'll, we'll see how that all plays out. We look at Anthony Harris, uh, and, you, and you talk about a guy that's getting paid pretty good. Uh, and a lot's going to be expected from this defense this next year. Uh, when you look at Anthony Harris, is he, is he at the top of your scope? Well, I, I, you know, that's a good question. I mean, the Eagles signed Jaquaski, is how you pronounce it. Jaquaski Tart from the 49ers was with the 49ers for seven seasons, and uh, they signed him to what we, we, we haven't been able to flesh out the terms of the contract yet because it is kind of that dead period here in the NFL and uh, we haven't had a chance to talk to him. I'm sure that'll be one of the first orders of business once the camp opens on July 26th as they'll bring Tart in to talk with us. Um, but, you know, the, re the reporting that 
what my colleague John McMullen did was that they're they're paying him more than the veterans minimum, which is you know sounds like it's put put Anthony Harris's role kind of in jeopardy. I mean, you you could because Harris is coming back on a, on kind of the veteran minimum, and you wonder if he's going to make the team. Uh, but certainly he's a, a veteran that could help this team, but. Um, you know, there's some guys like Marcus Epps at that safety position and Kayvon Wallace from Clemson, who was picked in the fourth round three years ago, who hasn't developed quite the way they would have liked. But if some of these guys, there's an undrafted free agent, Jared Maiden from the University of Alabama, who's been in the league for, I think, for two years now, who uh, had a pretty good OTA period, in my opinion. And you just have to keep an eye on that position. I mean, are they going to keep those two veterans or will some of these young guys step up and make Harris or Tart uh, to put their roles in jeopardy and maybe get released. I would be surprised, but it's something to watch. And I think they, they do like Tart. And you wonder about Harris, if they would cut him if one of these young guys steps up and wins the job. So you really have to keep an eye on these two veterans. And they both make the team um, or will one of them get released. And right now I think it might be Harris if one of these guys steps up. It could be Harris. Uh, but we'll see. I mean, but that's something, you know, in Philadelphia that's a kind of a position battle uh, as you head into camp. You know, you try to identify some of the positions for each of these NFL teams where you have competition uh, to make the team or to start. And I think with the Eagles, that's right there at the safety spot is who's going to start and who's going to make the team at that spot. And I don't think you can say, yeah, Anthony Harris does a job one. I think he has to go out and win it. Mm-hmm. We're talking with Ed Kratz, beat writer for the Philadelphia Eagles, SI.com, and our official NFL contributor. Real quickly, guys, on a side note, Xfinity has canceled their uh, qualifying today down in Atlanta because of bad weather. So they will start that, I assume, according to Point. So there'll be no qualifying for Xfinity today. So back on track here with Ed Kratz here. Uh, you know, the, the Eagles have some uh, critical decisions that they have to make. And I, I don't see a path that they can keep Jalen Rager or can they? I mean, this seems to be a big decision that's, uh, uh, you know, weighing deeply on the Eagles. And, you know, you know, they uh, unloading Rager, I guess, is, is getting, or at least getting him out of the building, risks rid- himself of the headache of, of having a first-round disappointment who's not playing. Uh, uh, and, and maybe he just needs a fresh start somewhere else. Uh, do, do they, do they mm-hmm. keep uh, Jalen Rager? Yeah, you know, I Listen, I don't think Jalen Rager is a distraction. I think he still enjoys being around his teammates, you know, from what I've heard, is he's not in there pouting or, or being miserable and kind of being a downer and a negative. He's, he's still engaged with his teammates. He's still enjoying his time. But uh, And Howie Roseman, the general manager, he's not just going to cut, I don't think, a first-round pick, even though he hasn't proven himself. This is only – uh, Rager's third year, and I think he's only 23 years old. I mean, I, I just don't think you cut somebody like that, but you have to look and see if there's anybody interested in trading for him, and I don't think the market really has uh, developed along those lines. And, again, Roseman, I don't think he wants to just give him away, um, kind of like what the Browns did with Baker Mayfield. I mean, my goodness. But, anyway, Rager, uh, just I don't think so. I think they'll keep – uh, keep him on this team as long as he has that positive influence, you know, that positive mindset. Uh, and then he'll try to work his way into playing time and take advantage of whatever playing time he gets. But right now he's probably the, you know, the fifth wide receiver on this team. But again, you know, 
he, he was a first-round pick. He's got talent. It just hasn't shown so far here in Philadelphia. But, again, he's young, and I just don't think Howie Roseman's going to give away good players, in his opinion, or, or cut them and get nothing. I would be very, very surprised if he cuts him. Um, I think he'll look for a trade partner, and we'll see how that goes through the summer. You never know how summer camp, how these camps go. A guy gets hurt, if a wide mm-hmm. receiver gets hurt. You know, look at Sam Bradford when Teddy Bridgewater got hurt in Minnesota right. in August, and they were able to get a King's ransom from the Vikings. They got a first-round pick for Sam Bradford, uh, and that was a move born out of desperation. So you never know what's going to happen in terms of how guys get hurt in the training camp. So uh, if, uh, if something opens, I think they'll look to trade Rager. They've looked to trade him, but cut him, I don't think that'll happen. Well, we'll see what happens. You know, a lot's going to be a lot. A lot of eyes are on the Philadelphia Eagles this year, and we'll see if the NFC can finally get a repeat uh, champ. I mean, projected order: Eagles, Cowboys, Commanders, Giants. Uh, those are the projected order of finish. And uh, you know, there were, we'll talk about the long shots when we got time in a little bit. But there was a long shot conversation this week of, of other teams. But one of the and I texted you about it is that the Colts Eagles in a in a Super Bowl this year. That's a long shot. But the good thing about it, I think there's a, a more he- heavier favor for the Eagles, if we want to say that. It's way too early to say that. I don't want to jinx anything. But the, the Eagles are projected to, to win the NFC uh, East, I should say. I, I think it's easier in the NFC because I don't think that, you know, the, the power is as great in the NFC as it is in the AFC. And it's not, it's not easy, don't get me wrong. But I, I think there are fewer teams in the NFC that have the ability to go to the Super Bowl than there are in the AFC. Like, it would be very tough, I think, for the Colts to get there. I mean, I'm not saying they can't, but, you know, you look around, you have the Bills, the Chiefs, the, uh, you know, so many teams, I, I think, beyond that that could go to the Super Bowl. Um, it's tough. But in the NFC, I mean, you got Tom Brady still slinging it down there in Tampa at 45 years old. I'm not really sold on the Packers, to be honest. I know Aaron Rodgers is fantastic, but that receiving core leaves a lot to be desired. Um, so, you know, you have the Packers. But then, you know, beyond that, you have the Rams, who, you know, there hasn't been a repeat winner of the Super Bowl. Uh, it rarely happens. You know, the Patriots did it. Uh, but, you know, it's hard to do. Uh, so, you know, you have the Rams, you have the 49ers, who – I'm not really sure what Trey Lance is going to look like, the, the quarterback. So, yeah, I, I could see the Eagles being one of those long-shot teams to, to, to make a push for the Super Bowl um, just based on that fact that there's not a lot of teams in the NFC that really you can point to and say, yeah, they got a shot. So they're a long-shot team for me, for sure, the Eagles. And the Colts, they got more hurdles to jump to get there, and we'll see <laughs> if they can do it. We do. But hey, we get at least we got Darius Leonard, man. He's a, he's a beast, and and in the recent yeah. uh, poll, you know, the executive poll, he was rated, rated uh, number one of the linebackers. You know, we're getting ready to start talking about fantasy football. We're organized out at work, and we've got this will be our second year that we've had this. Uh, we said, well, maybe we got to go to three divisions this year because <laughs> we're we're having people just all over we're, we're, we're all over the country, and we we started it out last year with just about you know I think sixteen teams, two divisions at eight, at eight teams apiece, and now we're I was talking to my colleague who helps me with it. He goes, we might need to break this into three divisions. That said, we're talking about fantasy football. So I'm always keeping my eyes out and looking at things. So since we're talking about the Eagles, I'm looking at Kenneth Gainwell among a a fantasy football sleeper candidate. Uh, What are your thoughts about him? He's somebody I should be paying attention to. Yeah, I I, I, I heard a story about guys that could make that year one to year two jump that everybody talks about rookies making and – 
you know, Devontae Smith certainly would probably be the favorite for the Eagles to even be better. But he set a pretty high bar last year, Smith. He led the team in uh, receptions with 64, uh, yards with 916, and touchdowns with five, receiving touchdowns with five. So that's a high bar to make a big jump. But Kenny Gainwell is a guy that could, you know, be in that mix to make the biggest jump. Uh, because, you know, he's the only <clears throat> running back under contract beyond this year. Miles Sanders' contract is up after the season. He sort of struggled uh, with injury. He didn't score a touchdown all of last year. Uh, Boston Scott's on a one-year deal. Um, you know, so Kenny Gainwell, to me, is a guy that I think is going to see some playing time. I think they like his ability out of the backfield to catch the football, and that's what they like their backs to do in this offense. Sanders' hands aren't as consistent, I don't think, as Gainwell. And also, I just think Gainwell now is a year into playing football again. He took off in the COVID year, the opt-out year of 2020, uh, when he was at Memphis. So he didn't play football for a whole year before coming to Philadelphia. So I just think he's a guy you have to keep an eye on because the Eagles like him. They're going to give him playing time, and I think he's going to make the most of it. And I think he could have a very nice season. As it is, he had six touchdowns as a rookie, five rushing and one receiving. So that's a pretty good number for a rookie. Uh, If he could get that again, that would be really saying something. But I think his yards will go up. He only had 200-plus yards rushing, 200-plus yards receiving. I think you could, you know, potentially look for those to even double uh, this year. So, yeah, I think he would be a good – value late if you're looking for fantasy football value uh, in, in the later rounds. I think Kenny Gainwell will be a good one. All right, let's uh, talk about the camps. That's the main topic of our discussion today, and we're just going to go through uh, the camps uh, as, as what a, a lot of uh, people are looking at as far as competition. Let's, let's look at that. We, we, there's so much to look at camps, and like you said, it's been kind of quiet. They haven't officially opened. So we're just kind of having the conversations of, of people trying to get a job, who's going to keep jobs. And so and we'll start here with the Eagles. Uh, you know, all tra- training battles, like camp training battles are created equally. Everybody's out there to try to earn a job. But the Eagles drafted two young players that I find very interesting. That's Cam Jurgens and defensive tackle uh, Jordan Davis. You've got Jason Calise and Fletcher Cox, respectively, have those jobs. It, are, are, are the, is there a battle there? Is there a competition there? Uh, with for Jason Cleese's and or uh, Fletcher Cox's job among those those two young uh, players that have been drafted. No, no, Jason Kelsey, the center, is you know he's a four-time All-Pro player. Uh, he's the anchor of that offensive line. Cam Jurgens won't play this year unless a Kelsey gets hurt, but he started 124 right. straight games. Jason Kelsey hasn't missed a start since the 2014 season, which is amazing. Uh, to me, he's a Hall of Famer. And, you know, he's not going to lose his job to some rookie. And it's interesting because Kelsey looked at film of Jurgens, the, the Eagles front office, said, hey, can you look at some film? And every year they asked him to look at film. And Kelsey said, yeah, we should draft this guy. He looks like he has, you know, what it takes to be an NFL center. So he's the heir apparent to Kelsey. Now, secondly, he could see some time if he learns how to play guard. You know, they're going to try to cross-train him at guard, but he's never done that. He came from Nebraska. He played center for three straight years at Nebraska. Um, but so he's kind of a pick for the future, and the Eagles have done that before. They've drafted guys where they don't necessarily need you this year, but kind of keep you in the system, get you acclimated to the system, and then, you know, when it's your time, you're ready to take off. So I don't expect to see much of Cam Jurgens. Now, Jordan Davis, he's not taking Fletcher Cox's job, 
not this year, maybe next year uh, he'll play more. <laughs> but Cox, Cox, Cox has been here forever, and he's one of the greatest players in Eagles history uh, as sure. a defensive lineman. And, uh, you know, they brought him back on a one-year deal. He's a year-to-year player now. Hasn't had the kind of year the last year or two that, you know, we've seen from Cox earlier in his career. He's, you know, again, he's in the 30s, in his 30s. But um, Davis will play. I mean, he's a guy they're going to use a lot. They're going to use a lot of odd man fronts, and you're going to see Davis parked over the middle, 6'6", 340-pound kid that can move his feet, occupy two, maybe sometimes three blockers, and that'll free up some linebackers to make some plays. I mean, the Kobe Dean's a guy that you have to watch as a linebacker who's fell to the third round in the Eagles, another player from Georgia, kind of the engineer of that Georgia defense, which was fantastic last season, winning the national title. He's a guy that could, as the season goes along, see some time. The Eagles are really high on him. Um, but Jordan Davis is going to play, and I'm looking forward to seeing him play. I mean, he's a, he's a big load. Uh, he's athletic. And he's going to be used on three downs, something that wasn't didn't happen at Georgia for him because of the way that defense operates and all the talent they have on that defensive line. But he's going to be a three-down guy, and he's going to rotate in there with Cox and Javon Hargrave and Milton Williams, who was a rookie pick last year, uh, who had a pretty nice rookie season. So, yeah, he, he's going to play. He's going to play a lot. Cam Jurgens, I don't think, is going to play much at all. Um, and then the Kobe Dean, a guy they got in the third round from Georgia, the linebacker, who a lot of people thought would go in the first round. Fell to the third because there were some injury concerns. He seems fine, um, but he's a guy you have to watch. He could see some time also as a rookie for the Eagles. Well, some upcoming uh, training camp battles that are involving rookies, uh, not including quarterbacks, I guess, you know, really could result in, in a rookie starting in week one. And a lot of times it's, it's just fun to see that, that competition happen. What do you think about uh, Kenneth Walker, the third, uh, versus the, the Seattle a running back squad, if you will. Uh, Rashawn Penny has, has played 10 games or, or less in the past three seasons. you got Chris Carson, who has missed 17 games over the past two seasons. Uh, you know, a really a running back competition also could play it out elsewhere in the NFC West. You know, San Francisco's got that tie around Davis Price. Uh, you know, his talent in, you know, San Francisco's got a, you know, a Super Bowl caliber roster. When we, let's, you know, the Seahawks running back, uh, Kenneth Walker, the third. He's going to get a starting job uh, with with the Seahawks this year? Yeah, I mean, Seahawks are going to have to run the ball, and maybe they do it by committee. That seems to be kind of – unless you have that real one workhorse like the Colts have and Jonathan Taylor and the Cowboys have and Zeke Elliott, although they're mixing Tony Pollard in. Um, you know, the Vikings have Dalvin Cook. But unless you have that real one bell cow back, uh, I think you're seeing more of a running back by committee approach. And in Seattle, they're going to have to do that, I think, because their quarterback situation – you know, come on, you don't have Russell Wilson anymore. You have Geno Smith and, um, you know, I can't remember who the other guy is going to vie to be the starter, but uh, it, it's not Russell Wilson. So you're going to have to take some pressure off of a quarterback where there's not a lot of, uh, you know, I don't know, I don't want to say talent, but there's just not a lot of hype surrounding the quarterback there in Seattle. So, yeah, you're going to have to run the ball. So Kenny Wal- Kenneth Walker, I mean, he could factor into the mix as a running back by committee. They're going to have to run the ball. And the same, I think, in San Fran. You mentioned some names there. Um, you know, Raheem Mostert will be healthy again. I think he's still in San Francisco. But uh, Trey Lance is projected to be the starter. Uh, he's another guy that could benefit by a running game that, that is successful uh, for him to be successful. So I think, yeah, you're going to see some running backs uh, on those two teams that could rise to the top and have a, have a role with their teams as the season goes on. 
Well, you know, I'm going to put my Homer hat on. Obviously, I'm a Colts guy, and I would say, and, and maybe not and not just from the fans, a fan's perspective, just as an overall look, if you're just taking a non-fan per look at it, I think the Colts are, you know, one of the number one most improved teams in the in the offseason in the NFL. And one of the things I'm looking at is, you know, the, the last tackle, Bernard Raymond uh, versus Matt Pryor. Now, the Eric Fisher experiment appears to be over uh, after an in- injury uh, shorted his season, but prior to the fourth, prior, I'm sorry, Matt Pryor, not prior to uh, the, four- the fourth year veteran now at TCU is expected to uh, compete with the rookie uh, from Central Michigan. Raymond uh, was was viewed during the pre-draft process as a first-round caliber type of, 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 of uh, position, if you will. It's kind of an older prospect, but. Honestly, if, if, if Raymond is able to, to supplement Pryor as a starter, I mean, the Colts' entire starting offensive line will be compromised, uh, compromised, comprised, uh, might be compromised, <laughs> I don't know, of linemen drafted by the team. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, you know, Jonathan Taylor is a really good back. Uh, and he's able to do a lot by himself, but every good running back needs your offensive line, right? And that's where it's going to, you know, where he's going to make his bones is how well that offensive line plays. And, um, yeah, they have some questions there and some guys they hope to step up. But, yeah, that's important. They have to figure that out because that's going to make Jonathan Taylor even a better running back. So, uh, we'll see, and that's one of the certainly one of the camp battles in Indianapolis to keep an eye on is what's going to happen at those tackle spots. So, uh, yeah, that, I agree. I think that's you know it could has the potential to be a very very good offensive line, uh, and, and I think it will be. We're talking with Ed Kratz, beat writer from Philadelphia Eagles, SI.com, our official NFL contributor. We're just kind of kind of talking through some uh, pot, uh, competitions in camp. Uh, we're going to roll on into overtime for a few minutes. We're not going to be able to get to my entire list. Uh, I always have an abundance of, of, of topics to talk about, but never have enough time to talk talk it through. We, we need to have you on a four-hour show, Ed. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> it's either that, it's time to do that, or I just need to drink one cup of Black Rifle coffee before I uh, join you on air instead of two because I have to keep my uh, answer you know, shorter. Fine. You know, it, it wouldn't it wouldn't matter. If you were in the first segment and somebody else was in the last segment, We it would still always go. I like the overtime, though. Uh, so uh, let's talk about the Buccaneers. Uh, left guard Luke Gadecki versus Robert Hanzi and Aaron Stanny. Steiny. Steiny. Can't pronounce names. But uh, – <laughs> Let's face it, the, the Buccaneers' uh, offensive line is under construction. Uh, you know, let's let's talk about Tampa Bay just to talk about them and, and get that conversation over with. Uh, but, you know, you got to look at guys like O.J. Howard and, and you know, the Gronk. Is he going to be back? Is he not going to be back? You know, and, 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 and dare I mention the, the TV word. So, <laughs> Tampa <laughs> – Tampa Bay, their offensive line. What are we looking for in camp? But this, uh, you know, left guard Luke Gadaki uh, seems to be, you know, on track to do something there. Yeah, I mean, Ali Morpet retired. I think he was only 28 or 29. And Rob Gronkowski has apparently retired. But, you know, we thought Tom Brady did too, and he came back. So Gronk could return. You, you mentioned um, the TV that, word, man. <laughs> yeah, I know. Well, you can't say Tampa without – 
a TB in it. Same with Tom Brady, you know. <laughs> so uh, there's a T-shirt. Yeah, there's really? a T-shirt for you there. You can't you can't say you can't say Tampa Bay without saying Tom Brady. TB. Without Love saying it. T-B Go without, ahead, sir. Without using a T and a B. Yeah. So yeah. Well, Brady, listen. That's their job, man. They got to keep Brady upright. He's 45 years old. You know, if that guy gets hurt, you know, or gets knocked down, it gets harder and harder to get up. Trust me. I'm on the other side of 45, and I know when I get down on the floor, it's hard to get up. So hey, I get it. Keep that old man. I, I don't get down on the floor unless up. I got a plan to get back up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, exactly. So, uh, well, yeah, you know Tom Brady, key, man. You know Tom Brady. The reason yeah. he stays in such great shape is not because of football, because he he wants to keep his super hot model wife. That's what it is. <laughs> you think that's it? You don't you don't think he you know his bank his, his wallet does a good job of that? Uh, that probably helps I'm, keep I would the, the super hot model wife as well. That probably has a big part of it. Yes, I agree. Although she's yeah. got a pretty, and I think a pretty a, good bank. <laughs> yes, she does. But I and I would say that the reason he's in such good shape is because of the super hot model wife. You know that helps too. But uh, it does. you know what I'm talking about. Yes. Uh, so yes. So he's, uh, <laughs> yes. I know exactly. What uh, all right. So. Where were we here? Yeah, so keep Brady healthy. Find somebody that can play guard, and let's go. Let's roll with the season. But, yeah, you got to find somebody that can be competent enough to keep pass rushers out of his face. Let's talk about another team there in the NFC East with you, and that's the Commanders. And, you know, they've they've got a new name. They're the Commanders, and they're starting to command some presence. And, and you know, they drafted uh, – you know, I'll give them credit. They they drafted yet another defensive lineman from Alabama in the, in, in the latest selection. So you got uh, – Mathis versus Payne over there at the Commanders, and they've already paid a hefty sum uh, to their interior uh, defensive line, Jonathan Allen, uh, uh, Sweat, and Young. They're all getting paid. The Commanders, well, you know, there's a T-shirt for you or, or making a command, commanding presence for us, but you, you, they're <laughs> right there with you in the NFC East, and, you know, we said that you're projected to go first, but, you, you know, you got to get past the commanders. They're 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 at least showing us and showing everybody that let's stop laughing at them. You know, maybe maybe that's right. Well, yeah, it. they're off the field. <laughs> they're off the field issues are, are just ridiculous with that owner, you know. And uh, that's a big a big hindrance is that off the field stuff. Now, you know, Ron Rivera is a great guy. Um, great coach. I kind of feel bad for him in this situation, but he's trying to keep that 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 front office stuff and that ownership issues away from the locker room, and it's, that's hard to do. But uh, yeah, they signed Terry McLaurin, so that's a positive. You know, talking about signing guys. I mean, their wide receiver signed a three-year deal, great deal. Him and Carson Wentz can try to you know grow together a little bit, if you will. Um, you know, uh, but. You know, and Wentz is to me. I mean, he's he's a good quarterback, and I, I don't think they're getting enough uh, juice down there in Washington. I think they have a good team. They have a good roster. They have a good defense, and now they have a good quarterback, a better quarterback than Taylor Heineke. So, yeah, the commander the the, the commandos are going to be pretty tough. Or the commanders, they're going to be pretty. Uh, I think they're going to be tougher than people think. And you know, of course. They play Philadelphia twice, the Eagles twice, and that's going to be fun with Carson Wentz, uh, you know, having to play his former team twice. Hasn't played against them yet since they uh, parted ways with him. Uh, So that's going to be fun. Uh, And their first meeting comes early 
in the season. Uh, but, yeah, the, the commanders, they can play. I like their coach. You know, Jack Del Rio is another guy with some controversy around him, the defensive coordinator. So, you know, there's always some issue off the field that has hampered this team. But we'll see if they can keep their focus on the field and, you know, play to the level of their talent, which I think they have good talent on that roster. And we'll see, you know, if it wins them enough games to – be a threat in the East. I don't think it will be, but you never know. Let's move on over to the desert out in Arizona. The Cardinals have tied in Trey McBride versus Zach Ertz. Zach Ertz is a, certainly a, a very powerful weapon. They, they gave him a very surprising contract in the off season, you know, and then and that's prior to dra- uh, drafting uh, Terry, Trey McBride, who, who won the John Mackey award, obviously given to the college football's best tight end uh, that, you know, Ertz is 32 years old, and you know for a tight end, that's 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 getting up there. So he got a pretty good con- contract, and of course, uh, it could it could be experiencing deja vu because Philadelphia previously drafted uh, Dallas uh, Go Go is that how you say Go in the second round, got it. which ultimately led him to part ways with the organization. So uh, you you know Zach Ertz well, you know what what he's capable of, and of course the battle there in camp is Trey McBride, and one of the the, the best college football players of of the year last year, uh, and he's and he's fairly balanced, uh, and um, he he certainly should earn a favor. So. Does Trey McBride actually win the starting job over Zach Ertz? What are, what are your thoughts on that? I don't, I don't think that happens, especially since they, they paid him, and Zach kind of knows what he's doing. But there is that possibility where he's, you know, next man up very quickly if Zach doesn't perform. Yeah, yeah I think Ertz will start. I mean, you know, I, I think it's just a, a good thing that the organization does is they bring in a guy like Trey McBride that doesn't need to come in and, start you know and he can learn behind a player like Zach Ertz who's one of the you know one of the best tight ends to do it you know uh, it, it was the same thing when the Eagles took Goddard they didn't need another tight end but they brought him in Goddard learned how to block that's always the thing with these tight ends coming into the league now a lot of them don't know how to block uh, but that's an important part of the job in the NFL and you know Ertz was great with Goddard they spent three plus years together um, you know teaching each other and learning from one another and uh, now Goddard's ready to take off. Uh, but, you know, Ertz will do the same with McBride. I think Ertz will start, but you'll see a lot of 12 personnel, two tight ends. McBride will be on the field, especially with DeAndre Hopkins suspended for six games. I mean, that's a big loss for the Cardinals offense. So uh, they're going to utilize those tight ends, both of them, I think, in 12 personnel sets, uh, kind of like the Eagles do in Philadelphia. They play a lot of two tight end formations. They did with Goddard and Ertz. They both played plenty of snaps, and I think that'll kind of be the same thing down there in Arizona. Eagles go to Arizona in October, so it'll be good to catch up and see how things are going uh, with the Cardinals there. Without the hop, they have a tough start to their season. Um, but I think Ertz is going to still be a really big part of that offense, no doubt. And I think he'll start, you know, but I think McBride will get his share of snaps too. Well, we'll see what happens. You know, we're about out of time here. Uh, you know, you just kind of wanted to go through some key positions uh, throughout the league, but I don't have time. So because you are our NFC East guy, you're our official NFL contributor, Ed Kratz, beat writer for the Philadelphia Eagles and SI.com. Let's just kind of go through the the top receivers on in, on each team, and let's just briefly kind of talk about their, their contribution. The Cowboys, CCD Lamb, uh, big contribution or medium or low contribution to this year's team? A huge contribution. He's going to be, I think, the go-to guy. They also have Michael Gallup. They have good receivers. They lost, or they traded Amari Cooper, uh, who was a 
you know, they threw to him over 100 times last year. But this offense, I think, is going to go through C.D. Lamb. They have a good tight end in Dalton Schultz. Plenty of good weapons for Dak Prescott down there for the Cowboys to repeat as the NFC East champions. Uh, but, yeah, C.D. Lamb, huge contributor. Tony the Tiger out of the Giants. Kadarius Atoni, I should say. I just gave him that nickname. Just, uh, just don't Very disappointing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, very disappointing rookie year. Couldn't stay healthy. Um, you know, but they have decent receivers there. The problem is the quarterback. Can Daniel Jones, first of all, stay upright? Can he not fumble? Can he not throw an interception? Big body of work indicates that he can't. Uh, but I don't think Tony's going to be that. I mean, they'll try to get him the ball. But, again, disappointing rookie season. He has to show me before I can say, yeah, huge contributor. For now, I'll just call him a marginal contributor. <laughs> Let's go back to the nest, obviously, where you, you're very familiar with it. I'm very familiar with Zach Pascal, And then you've got Watkins and Devontae Smith and A.J. Brown. Which one of those or all of those are your workhorses for the Eagles this year? Well, Devontae Smith and A.J. Brown, are they're going to run the offense through those two guys. Uh, the Eagles haven't had a, a receiver go over 1,000 yards in eight years. Uh, Jeremy Macklin in 2014 was the last one, which is crazy and a pass-happy NFL that they haven't had that. But A.J. Brown and Devontae Smith, those are two number one receivers. Zach Paschal, I think, is going to have a role. He did in Indianapolis when Nick Sirianni was the offensive coordinator there. Uh, In fact, uh, Paschal put out a tweet uh, just, I think, yesterday or the day before saying, if you all think I'm just a blocking wide receiver, you're crazy because, you know, he can catch the ball, and I think he's going to. But, again, it's going to go through Brown and Smith, and they're probably the two best wide receiver groups uh, in the NFC East. Now, I, you know, Lamb and Gallup need to be watched as well, but I like Brown and Smith uh, in this division. In the NFL, they're probably two number one receivers, and they're going to play huge roles, huge contributors. All right, before we wrap it up and put it on a bowl, let's put on my, my Homer hat. Let's talk about the Colts, Michael Pittman, Alec Pierce, uh, Paris Campbell, and uh, Ashton Doolin. I got to believe just from how much I paid attention to Michael Pittman Jr. And, and uh, Michael Pittman Jr. was a huge part of Melissa getting to the fa- Balanced Fantasy Super Bowl. Uh, Michael Pittman is the workhorse for the Colts, true or false? Oh, for sure, true. I mean, you know, when you're not giving the ball to Jonathan Taylor, you're probably looking to throw it to Michael Pittman. And he – you know, had a great year last year. You hope he can continue to build on that and have some consistency. And they have Matt Ryan, who, you know, I was doing some research the other day on quarterbacks that have had 4,000-plus yards passing uh, in a season, and I wrote about it, and Peyton Manning had 14 of them, which is crazy. Uh, mm-hmm. I won't mention who's second with 13, but his initials are TB. Um, <laughs> but, but, you know, sure Matt Ryan said four – Matt Ryan's had four 4,000-yard passing seasons, which is really – I was surprised at that, uh, that he's had that many. But, yeah, I mean, I think he's going to make it go, man, and Pittman's going to be a big contributor on this team. All right, finally, uh, last word of the day. I, 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 text, I tweeted or texted you uh, this, uh, that uh, the Panthers have bought themselves a baker. <laughs> my, uh, my son and granddaughter are, are, aren't that enthused by it, but – it, it is what it is. I'm curious, though, and I asked my son this, too, and he says he thinks that, that uh, McCaffrey and and Baker will have a good combination. And, and uh, I tend to agree, but I, I also wonder how Baker affects D.J. Moore's value. Uh, so it, let's take a quick look at uh, my granddaughter's favorite team, the Carolina Panthers, their new quarterback, Mr. Baker May, May, Mayfield. 
the guy who was totally overrated goes to the uh, Panthers, and there's quarterback issues there too. But what, what are your thoughts? I mean, McCaffrey, uh, Baker Mayfield, my son thinks that's a good combination and it'll work. Jessica, I wonder about DJ Moore. So I wonder, you know, uh, about that. So what are your thoughts? So you're assuming two things. Number one, Sam Darnold won't be the starting quarterback. Well, that's the assumption that they gave us. Or why, why would they have brought him over there? I don't know. You might be right. It's <laughs> a whole other can that we can open up, I guess. <laughs> yeah, we could. And that, But number two, Christian McCaffrey is actually going to stay healthy. I mean, come on. He, how can you even count on that guy to do anything? I mean, really. He, right. he I can't know, stay healthy. I, I had my hopes I mean, build up in fantasy with him last year, so he let me down drastically. <laughs> yeah, I, I would stay away from him, man. He, he can't. He's just he's, he's too brittle, man. He just can't stay healthy. It's a shame because he's talented, but – Again, I wouldn't count on him. I'm not sure you can even count on Baker Mayfield. I mean, is he? I guess he's better than Sam Darnold. I'm not exactly sure. I, I'm with you. I think he's a little overrated. He's kind of short. He gets the ball knocked down a lot. I mean, he can throw a good pass. But, uh, you know, Matt Rule, the coach down there, is on the hot seat for sure. If he, if he can't get Absolutely. this thing figured out and win some games, then it's bye-bye Rule. And I guess you're hoping Baker can do it, but I'm not sure. I think it might help DJ Moore. We'll see. Uh, you know, he's certainly a talented pass catcher. Uh, but again, the, the offensive line, how is that? It all starts with the O line, Tom. I, I mentioned that a lot. And how good is that mm-hmm. line down in Carolina? I, I'm not sure. So, uh, yeah, I think it's, it, it, you look at the Browns and what, you know, it's funny that the Browns and Panthers play each other this year, I think in the season opener or early in the season. And the Browns are going to be paying Baker Mayfield to come in to try to beat them, uh, you know, because they're still paying his contract. Uh, I was going to wonder there's so, the Browns. Oh, sorry. I was just yeah. going to tell you, also there's the Browns. You know, they got former Colts back up. Uh, Jacoby Brissett up there. Looks like he might be making some impact up there. We'll see how, how all that happens. Ed Kraft, yeah. beat writer for the Philadelphia Eagles at SI.com. Where can people find your work and masterpieces, sir? Follow me on Twitter at Kretzee, K-R-E-C-Z-E, or uh, si.com backslash NFL backslash Eagles. Uh, you can read all about uh, the Eagles and the teams they're playing this year. And one of them is the Colts, Tom. You know that. It's coming out That's in right. no- November. Uh, and we'll get, to, we'll get together. Yep, let's hope. Yep. And uh, a topic that we didn't talk about, but we'll, we'll t- tweet about it, the Bears – Shut down Soldier Field dome proposal. They don't want a dome. I can't say I blame them. There's a lot of history there uh, in with Soldier Field and being an outdoor stadium. So we'll we'll see how how that plays out. But I didn't get to that story, but we'll get it we'll get it yeah. up on uh, social media. And we definitely appreciate yeah. your time. Uh, you bring the show to a whole new level and a whole new bar. I hope you have, have yourself a good weekend, sir. Thank you, sir. You too. See ya. All right, buddy. We'll see you. Bye bye. Ed Kratz, beat writer for the Philadelphia Eagles, SI.com. Check out his stuff. We always post his stuff up on our Twitter or on the Twitter and on, on Facebook. Make sure that you follow us on the Twitter at T Balance and on Facebook, just search the balance. If you listen to us here on the podcast, just hit subscribe so we know you're there and how awesome you are. We know how awesome we are. Uh, my name is Tom Marcus El Presidente. I'm out of here. Deuces. Don't drink and drive. I didn't cool.
Join us next week for The Balance. In the meantime, check us out on Twitter, T-Balance, or Facebook, The Balance, or online at www.thebalanceonline.com.